Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. It's so good to be here today. Thank you, uh, Jeremiah. Thanks and team, uh, every one of you, for, for the gift and for the kind words. Chaplain Stone, thank you for coming and, and uh, sharing as well. And uh, it's been an honor uh, to serve with you. And Chaplain Lawhorn, thanks for that great prayer. Man, thinking about that prayer, it sounded like that we're all praying to somebody who actually hears us, amen? And somebody who wants what's best for us, who has a plan for us, a future, and a hope. So I'm excited to join with the spirit of prayer that, that it has been a great honor for Cheryl and I and our family to be here for the past two years. But I believe with all my heart, in, in, in keeping with the prayers we've already prayed, that some of the most blessed, uh, some of the most fruitful, some of the most kingdom-building days for Schofield Community Chapel are ahead. So with that, I'll say today, I guess for the last time, if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter number 3 as we start a new series. So those of you who've been with us for the past month, we did a series on the festivals of the Old Testament, and we talked about how that points to Christ. It simply timed out that this was my last Sunday, so I have been given the honor to preach on the first Sunday of our Advent series. If you're going to be around during Christmas, I invite you to keep coming back as we, as we preach through the concept of Advent and we talk about hope, love, peace, and joy. And then uh, Chaplain Verdon already mentioned the Christmas Eve service where that will culminate in a, in a great celebration of our Lord Jesus Christ. But today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3. Why do we need hope? in the first place. And I want to share this with you right from the start. Number one, we need hope. Yeah. And we're going to see that in Genesis chapter 3. But number two, there is hope. We need hope, but there is hope. Just coming in here today was a, was a blessing that Cheryl and I, as, uh, as for, the, for three Christmases in a row, we decorated this sanctuary and we're a part of our team did it. But but we didn't do any of these decorations because we're just kind of hanging out at the hotel and the team said, hey, don't come. You just you just show up and preach. Said, yep, that's what I'll do. And came in and what a blessing it is. I, I remember when uh, the, the movers were here, which all y'all have experienced before, right? They, we have a big closet in our, in our room and it was a sad day because uh, our, our man, he opened up the door and he looked and Cheryl's standing there and he said, oh, all the Christmas decorations. And Cheryl had a little tear down her eye. She's like, yeah, I'm not going to get to decorate this year. So it's a little, it's, it's a little sad. But what a blessing it is to, to see the decorations, and it lifts our spirit just a little bit. By the way, I know there's a great contention out there. There are those of you who think that hard and fast, right, after Thanksgiving, that's when you can start doing all your Christmas stuff. There are some of you, like me, when, when, we, were, when we were serving at a church and we lived in a staff house, I literally remember a trunk or treat on October 31st. I remember telling Cheryl, don't turn all that Christmas stuff on yet. They're going to think we're a bunch of weirdos. It was literally Halloween because we went all out, I guess you could say. But if you're like me, it's always a little sad afterwards because you take them down and, and, and you sort of move on. Well, what I want to talk about today is the fact that you and I need hope. And I hope the Christmas decorations and I hope the festivities of Christmas are a blessing to all of us. But if you're like me, you, you, you've come to realize in life there's some things that can't be fixed 
quickly. There can't be things fixed with necessarily the tinsel and, and the bows and all that. But I'm telling you today, Advent will not make any sense until we understand that you and I need hope. We need it. And there's a whole bunch of ways the world tries to fix it. But there is hope. And we're going to talk about that this morning. I want you to follow along with me in Genesis chapter 3 as we read a, a story that's very familiar to, to many of you. Just follow along in Genesis 3 and I'll read it to you. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Watch this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Verse 10, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11, who told you you were naked? Have you not eaten of the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave her the fruit of the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. I think this is in your bulletin. We're going to look today at we need hope. So we're going to look in this story, the story of some refer to it as the fall of man, the fall of mankind. You're probably familiar with the story. It explains to us a couple of things. It explains the steps towards sin, and I think as we see these in this passage that you and I can identify because we've fallen down the road exactly these steps. The steps of sin, we're going to look at the nature of sin there are some definite results of sin that we live with each and every day. But then at the end, there's the hope for salvation from sin. Well, let's look at uh, point number one, the steps towards sin. The steps towards sin. Look at verse number five. And as you see how Adam and Eve responded to this temptation, I imagine that, that you can identify. This is all for point number one. The first step towards sin is curiosity. Look at verse number five. Curiosity. What did she do? The, the Satan, he, he puts a doubt out there. He knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. She got curious. She started thinking about it. Look at verse number two. Look at uh, the second thing is doubt. Look at, verse, look at verse five. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember what Satan said. Did God really say? By the way, each and every time you and I sin against God, what we're really saying is, God, did you really say this was the right thing for my life? When we rebel, we're answering that question, no, God, maybe God doesn't 
know best. We have that, we have that doubt. Satan tips her with this pride. She's curious. The doubts slip in, slip in. And then she has this pride. He says, oh, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. It's interesting, the enemy in this passage offers power. But genuine worship, like Chaplain Verdon talked about, we strive to be a people who worship God. Genuine worship isn't about you and I having power, it's about you and I being broken before a holy God. The steps towards sin, curiosity, doubt, pride. And then verse 6, you see the out-and-out disobedience. She took of the fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. If you and I think through our own lives, the times that we've sinned against God, and by the way, in case you're wondering, have I ever sinned against God? I'm going to tell you the answer. The answer is yes, you certainly have. How do I know that, Chaplain? Do you, have you been following me around? I absolutely have not. But the Bible says what? That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You and I, here's the deal, we need hope. We need hope. In this broken world, we need hope. In a world where each and, I, each and every one of us, when we stand before God and the best we have to offer, the Bible says in another place, is filthy rags, we need hope. At a time of the year where the Department of Defense will do everything that it can to help mitigate depression. We call it sometimes suicide prevention. We try to mitigate harmful behaviors. You know why? Because everybody in the DOD needs what? What do they need? They need hope. I need hope. You need hope. Those of you who are leaders, your soldiers need hope. Those of you who are leading your families, moms and dads, you need hope. Your kids need hope. Desperately. Because all of us have sinned against the Holy God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We need hope. By the way, did you notice how it's worded? It says, Eve took the fruit and she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Think through that for just a minute. While Eve is having a conversation with the serpent, Adam is literally standing there while all this takes place, and according to the text, he doesn't say any, anything. Men, you know what God's looking for? He's looking for, for men of God who will say something. He's looking for men of God who are going to stand for the truth. So I encourage you today in the midst of all this, be a man of hope. Be a woman of hope. You know why? We need hope. But that's the steps towards sin that you and I see each and every time. Whether it's a child who touches something because they're told not to, whether it's those of us who look at something on the computer we know is wrong, whether it's something behind the scenes that we think nobody's watching. We can see ourselves in these steps towards sin, and that's why we need hope. Well, number two is the nature of sin. Let's talk about the nature of sin for just a minute. It's interesting when you read this story, it says a lot about the nature of sin. I think there's a couple of questions that Satan is trying to cast out here in this story. He's trying to answer the question wrongly, what is true? What is true? Remember what Eve said when the serpent asked her, well, God said if I eat it, I'll die. What did the serpent say? 
you won't surely die. Do you and I live in a world where they try to twist what is true? I think so. You know why? Because they need hope. What is true? Well, what is right? That is striking it at moral values. Do you think we live in a world where people are answering falsely the question, what is right? What is morally right? It's because the world needs hope. It also tries to change the question of who am I? Who am I? We're made in the image of God. We read earlier in Genesis that you and I are, the, are, are, this, are this creation where God literally breathed his life into us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has the first word in your life because he made you. He has the daily word in your life because you walk before him every day. God has the last word in your life because he is ultimately our judge. But we live in a world where people are answering the question, who am I, all kinds of ways. Sometimes it manifests itself in a prideful way. It's all about me. It's all about me. My job in life is to get after everything and, and look after me. Sometimes that one's easy to throw stones at and say, yeah, that's wrong. I got it. But sometimes, who am I, becomes this inward self-focus. This, this taking our eyes off of God and saying, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm nobody both of which are a false look at who I am. You know who you are? You know who I am? We're people made in the image of God. Everybody you meet. The problem simply is that we need hope. And what sin does is sin twists that. And if I go down that road, or if you go down that road, we will answer that question in an unbiblical way. And that's what happens in this story. What is true? What is right? Who am I? The nature of sin. Well, there's some results of sin. The fact that you and I need hope, there's some definite results of that sin. I want to share a couple with you from this passage. And if you're writing notes, uh, I encourage you to write these down. Under the results of sin, number one is fear. I want you to wrap your mind around this concept in verses 9 and 10. When God says, where are you? By the way, did God literally mean where are you like he lost them or something? Like if my little puppy pup named Nala gets out the door and we're near a road and I go, oh, Nala, where are you? Where are you? Because I don't know where she is. It's more like your mom who knows exactly where you are and what you did. What did you do? They already know. This is one of those moments, just in case you're wondering. God didn't literally lose Adam and Eve in the garden. Where are you? And what did they say? This, this fear. He says... He says, I, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I hid myself because I was what? I was afraid. I want you to wrap your mind around the fact that in literal a garden made for Adam and Eve, for the first time ever, they felt fear. That's a result of sin today, isn't it? You and I live in a world where we, we have to sometimes fear creeps in. That's one of the results. Guilt and shame. That's number two. You see in verse 10, what did he do? He tried to hide himself because he knew he was naked. It was a physical hiding, but it also alludes to the fact of this creator caught me, and now I'm going to try to cover it up. 
And we see that all the time. Guilt, shame. Anybody here ever, ever dealt with guilt and shame? I have. Sometimes I feel guilty because I actually am guilty. And y'all could probably attest to the same thing. But sometimes we just live in this fallen world where shame just seems to hold on and we can't shake it. That's a result of sin. Another result of sin is division and blame. Remember how it went when you read down through it. I think we read all the way there. Eve gave it to me and I ate. And then the Eve says the serpent. Everybody was, was blame shifting. This was the original cancel culture, by the way. Everybody's trying to like cancel the other person out. They're the bad one. It's not me. I'm going to blame all those other people. We could fall down that trap too and say it's them. It's all them. It's all them. No. I need. It's one thing to say all oh, y'all need hope. It's another thing to say I need hope. But there's that blame. If you keep reading in this passage, you'll see, number four, alienation and loneliness. You'll see this separation from God because what does God do in verses 23 and 24? You can turn there and I'll share it with you in chapter 3 of Genesis. The Lord God sent them out, check that out, out of the Garden of Eden to work from the ground. And he drove out the man and at the east of the garden he put the cherubim and the flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. The wages of sin is death. Pain and suffering comes with sin. We won't take time to read it, but I want you to notice, we'll read some of it in just a minute, but he, he puts some curses to the woman. He puts some curses to the man that say, you're going to work now by the sweat of your brow and thorns and thistles are going to grow and you're going to have to cultivate and it's going to be tough. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. He told the woman, I'm going to increase your pain in childbirth. It, it's, 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 and, it's, and it's played out for the rest of human history that part of the results of sin is pain and suffering. Now let me say this. I want to be clear. In a general sense, all the pain and suffering that you and I experience is a result of sin. What I'm not saying, however, is that does not necessarily mean that the specific suffering that you're dealing with is because you specifically sinned. It could be, but it may not necessarily be. I want to be clear on that. I want you to understand that what this passage is teaching is that as, as you look at the world, the pain and the suffering that we experience in this world in a general sense is because the fall of this world has taken place. And until Christ comes back, which, by the way, Advent's all about the first coming, but then we're also going to talk about the second coming, he's going to fix all that stuff. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But until then, we deal with the pain and suffering, and then we deal with death, as God told Adam in verse 19. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. We need hope. Number four, there's hope for salvation from sin. God made a way to be saved. I want you to look at a couple of things in this passage because the good news about this passage is why I chose it to talk about hope. Is Even in Genesis 3, you're going to see God's plan begin to, unravel, uh, to, un, to unfold as you see where he's going in his plan of salvation. Look at verse number 15. We haven't read it yet. This is important. He says to the woman, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise you on the head 
and you shall bruise him on his heel. The English Standard Version says between your offspring and her offspring. The King James says seed. Enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the man. Now, every other time in the Bible it typically talks about seed, it's going to be the seed of the man. And we probably understand why, I believe. But it's interesting in this passage that he says the seed of the woman. I don't know about you, but I can't help but think about a passage that, that says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This serpent we know from the rest of the Bible is Satan, and God is telling them even here, he's giving them a glimpse of his plan, is that the seed of the woman is going to come and is going to crush this serpent's head. We need hope, but folks, here's the deal. There is hope. There is hope. And I'll give you the, the answer to the test. His name is Jesus Christ. We need hope, but there is hope. Let me show you one more thing. I want you to look at verse 21. Here's another, one. Here's another glimpse of hope. We need it. And there is hope. Watch this, verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now, let me ask you a question. Did God, did he go down to the store and buy a shirt for Adam and Eve to clothe them? Did he go Christmas shopping on the after Thanksgiving Day sale? Did he order the garment of skin on Amazon, do you believe? Thank you. No, he did not. He clothed them with a garment of animal skin. How did he get an animal skin? He killed an animal. You keep reading in the Bible and you know what you're going to find out? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. You know what else you're going to find out? You can fast forward in the, in the book of Genesis and he's going to, uh, God's going to tell a man named Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation and all the earth will be blessed because of you. He's going to set up a sacrificial system, which we talked about in these past weeks with the, with the festivals, the, the Passover and the Day of Atonement. He's going to establish a nation, Israel, which was all about sending the Messiah. And then when he comes to the New Testament, we're going to meet the Word made flesh who dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. Here's the thing. You and I, we need hope, but there is hope. God did not send Jesus to meet your and mine expectations per se, but He did send Jesus for His glory to meet your desperate need of salvation. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. And when we do, I invite you to take communion with us as we, as we celebrate uh, what Christ has done for us and remember His great sacrifice. You and I are people who need hope. Schofield community is a people who need hope. But as we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate Advent, I want you to know there is hope. And it's my hope and prayer that God will kindle in our hearts this truth that He has sent His Son Jesus Christ to save us from our sins in such a way that this Christmas season we're filled with true hope that comes from God and that we're able to share that hope with others in the coming weeks. I invite you to pray with me and we'll get ready to take communion together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these glimpses of your redemption even at the beginning of this story.
God, you've sent your Son to, to die for us. And for that, we turn our hearts right now. God, I pray for our congregation and our people. I pray for those who maybe they're in a situation that feels hopeless and they don't feel very hopeful. God, I pray your Spirit would be an encouragement to each and every one of us. I pray we would all understand that, yes, in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, we need hope because we're sinners. But God, you provided a way of salvation, and because of that, there is hope. And God, for those of your people here who are, who are struggling, who may be suffering, who may be dealing with sadness or depression, or God, maybe there's some of us who have a burdened heart for those we love very, very much. God, may the hope of Jesus Christ fill our hearts. And this Christmas, as we think about the hope, the love, the peace, and the joy that you bring, may it cause us to give you praise. God, bless us as we take this communion together. I pray that we would remember what you've done for us through your body and blood and your um, death, burial, and your resurrection. Bless us as we do this together. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.